It's Sunday, April 11th, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church service. We trust that you have prepared your hearts as you have come to worship the Lord with us together. This morning, we are continuing with part two of a new message series entitled, The Seven Claims of Jesus, the Great I Am. This morning's message is Jesus, the Light of the World, found in John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. Let's sing uh, together this morning our first song, I Will Ever Sing Thy Praises. Welcome here. We are glad you have joined us. We have a wonderful service planned for you, and we hope and pray you will be blessed. We have two special items this morning, a deacon commissioning and a mission spot from Winkler Bible Camp. I look forward to Pastor Dean and his message on Jesus is the light of the world. As a call to worship, turn with me to Psalm 145. I will read the first seven verses. David starts off praising the Lord in the first three verses. Then in verses four to seven, he reminds us to tell the next generation so that they will also recognize and pass it on. 
Listen for the I and then the they for the response. Psalm 145, a psalm of praise of David. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Then verse 4. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Join with me and we'll take and look at a few items in our bulletin. Uh, this morning, as already said, we're going to, George Elias will be uh, commissioned into the deacon ministry. And if you need a ride to church, just contact uh, Susan at the office and she will arrange it for it. And on uh, Saturday, April 17th, we the bunker is having a spring fundraiser, and um, remember to support them if you're able. So let's pray together. Father, we praise your name forever and ever. Father, help us to pass it on to the next generation. Great are you, Lord, worthy of your praise. Make us instruments of praise. Father, that through our speaking of your splendor and your majesty, they will carry it on. Your awesome works have brought us to this place. May we proclaim it in our homes, in our community, and in our world. Father, you are at work in our community. You're at work in our camps, and you're at work in our care homes. Father, give us a measure of grace to our deacons as they go about their work. We hold up our missionaries, particularly Don and Sharep, as they serve him here, waiting for the time to return to the Philippines. We also pray for the bunker, and we thank you for the work that they do. Bless their fundraising on Saturday the 17th. Father, now I ask that you bless Pastor Dean as he serves in various capacities in the service this morning. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. This next song that we'll sing together is Christ Whose Glory Fills the Skies. is called In Loving Kindness Jesus Came.
Thank you for tuning in to this Winkler Bible Camp video report. Needless to say, this past year has created a lot of firsts for all of us, and this video message is a first for me. I enjoy trying new things and changing it up, but I would have never guessed that I would be doing a video report to connect with the people that we can't connect with. It seems crazy. It might be crazy, but it's the only way we can connect right now. So, where do I start? Well, the first thing I'd like you to know is that we never stopped working at camp. We just shifted our energy. For a ministry of our size to just stop isn't a healthy decision. We, we have to try to keep key elements of our ministry running. We have to try to keep our core staff in place because if we don't, we have a very difficult time getting back up to speed when circumstances do allow us to. So what happened at Winkler Bible Camp this past year? Well, near the end of March, when the COVID pandemic became our reality, we already had over 1,600 campers registered. At the beginning of May, we made the very difficult decision of closing camp, knowing that it would affect and impact thousands of children and that we would have to refund $300,000 worth of camper fees. We did give the parents the opportunity to donate and to carry over their camper fee, and thankfully many of them did that. This left us with a remaining balance of $225,000 that we made a loan for. We were eligible for the government subsidy, and that has been a real blessing because it has been keeping our full-time staff employed. Behind the scenes, while all these decisions were being made, we made plans with our site team and our maintenance team, knowing that they needed to keep busy. Well, virtually all of our rentals would be gone, so we decided that we would take this time and fix. We made a huge list of all the work that needed to be done. We separated it into three categories. What can we fix for free? What can we fix for under $100? And what's going to cost us more than $100? And we started with the free stuff. That was a great decision, which resulted in many improvements for our site and our maintenance people are still working off that master list. However, as we were dealing with the immediate and the obvious, a few big questions still needed to be answered. But what about summer camp? What about the children? What do we do with an empty site all summer? How can we stay connected with our campers and our staff? Well, questions like that helped determine our direction for this last summer, and here's where that led us to. We removed the old ropes course, the old zip line, and the old bikes course. We removed a bunch of old trees that were mature or falling down or ready to fall down. We split all the wood, we removed all the brush, we dug out all the stumps, and we did all the landscaping. We did all of that work to create room for new activities and a new obstacle course that are going to be a blessing for many, many years to come. This was a big job, and it took a bunch of work, but we did it in a very affordable fashion because all of the heavy equipment and the supplies we needed to do this so far have been donated by farmers and businessmen. What a fun way to build. We created Wonder World a nine-episode video series that was created and written by our staff to connect with the younger segment of the campers. This past summer, we released a new episode each week, and each episode had an interactive piece that many children responded to. Getting that done took much more work than we anticipated, but it was worth it. We ran our LDP, or Leadership Development Program, as two two-week session day camps. That worked better than we'd ever expected, and the result has given us many new ideas to do it even better in the future. We had an empty camp after LDP, so we ran three short weeks of staff camp. These teenagers were invited to stay at camp for free for four days. During these days, they worked hard at digging, pulling stumps, splitting wood, pulling weeds, painting and staining, and doing numerous other site jobs. And in the evenings, we led sessions and led them in worship. And it was a great time to connect for us because these were the people that we would have hired had we run summer camp. So it was great being able to connect and minister to them as they helped us this summer. 
And finally, we have Beyond, a new online platform that contains all of the video production work that we did this summer and will contain all of the work we do in the future. Our plan is to constantly have new material ready to watch throughout the year. This will remain in place even when things get back to normal because essentially this will be the library for everything Winkler Bible Camp. So check it out on wbcbeyond.com. Well, that brings us through summer to September. By this time, all our fall rentals had essentially been canceled. We did, however, have a few rentals, but far from anything normal. Our fall supper that we have, we decided to run as a drive through and we served 624 guests in two hours, and that worked fantastic. Our November banquets that we have had to be canceled, so we decided to do another drive through We had no idea what to expect, so we made 500 meals, and we prayed that people would come. Well, we served those 500 meals in one hour, and then we turned away almost 200 guests. And then December arrived. All of our Christmas banquets that we normally host and cater were canceled. So we decided to do another drive through and add some lights. Once again, we had no idea what to expect. We'd never done this before. So 500 meals wasn't enough in November. Let's do a thousand, we thought. But will the people come? So we prayed. That night was very, very encouraging. I was out near the highway directing traffic and greeting our guests, and everything started like every other event does. The cars just come rolling in, but that night, it was different. It just never stopped. Less than an hour after we started our event, we had to scramble to create new lines to get people off of the highway and onto our site. After we did all that we could do, we still had lines over a mile long down the highway. In two hours, we had served our thousand meals, and then we had to turn away hundreds of vehicles. As Candace and I had to apologize to all these people that tell them that we were out of food, the blessings just didn't stop. As we gave them the bad news, most of our guests responded with, wow, this is amazing. And then they proceeded to hand us their donation anyway, because it wasn't about the food. The amount of support that we have seen from the surrounding community this past year has been incredible. Our annual budget for 2020 is, was about $1.3 million, and about three-quarters of that is self-earned revenue. For us in 2020, most of that revenue was taken away due to the pandemic. The increase in donations this year has not only helped keep it all moving for us, but we've been able to improve our facility at the same time. However, we're not out of this yet. Right now, we are preparing to do something for 2021 because we believe that we can run camp safely even with some level of restrictions. We already know that it will be challenging. We already know that our rental income will be way down for this next year, but we're not discouraged. And here's why. A number of months ago, I was listening to a leadership video on leading through these times of crisis. And the speaker raised a very important question that I believe needs to be asked by all of us. The question was this, are we going to be defined by the circumstances we find ourselves in, or rather, are we going to be remembered by the way we decided to respond to the circumstances around us? Well, as a follower of Christ, there is only one right answer, because our circumstances should never define us. It's the person of Christ that we have placed our faith in that defines us. I believe that as an organization, we embrace that. And that is how we want to be remembered as we move into this next year. Again, thank you for supporting this ministry. And thank you for believing in this ministry. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, shares the following insight. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach in unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness 
of Christ. From the beginning, the Church of our Lord has called persons to serve in the name of Christ. The initial call to caregiving is described in Acts chapter 6, created to meet the needs of the poor widows. The first group of deacons served in various capacities in keeping with the scripture we just heard. A deacon is one who serves. It is a high calling, as Paul indicates in his letter to Timothy. Those accepting this responsibility are expected to be worthy of respect, sincere, sober, and honest. They must also hold or keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Today, we are commissioning one new deacon, George Elias. Our congregation has earnestly and prayerfully searched for a person to serve in this capacity, and you have been chosen. The way of life and your abilities have created confidence that you will serve in a trustworthy manner. Today, you will be commissioned as a deacon. In preparation, I want to ask you the following questions. George, first, number one. Are you willing to assume the office of deacon with its varied duties? And do you promise to joyfully carry out the duties of this office with God's help for the welfare of the entire congregation and, it, and its members? If so, answer, I am with God's help. I am with God's help. The second question, will you rely upon the resources God provides you through the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and prayer to equip and empower you for the tasks to which you are called? If so, answer, I will. I will. The third question and final question is, will you direct your effort to enhance the well-being and spiritual growth of our congregation, remembering at all times that you are a servant among servants? If so, answer, I will. I will. You have declared your willingness to respond to the congregational's call to service. I therefore charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to live a life consistent consistent with this calling, to be sensitive and caring to the people and you serve, and allow the Holy Spirit to direct your ministry. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and on behalf of this congregation, I now commission you as a deacon in our Winkler Berkthaler Mennonite Church. When the Lord gives responsibility to his people, he also provides grace, strength, and wisdom to do his will. At this time, uh, two of our deacons, which is Bill and also Jake, and also another pastor of ours, uh, which is Victor, are, uh, we are each going to be praying for you at this time. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have called George to serve as a deacon for your church. We pray that you will bless him and that he will also be a blessing to those that he serves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for George. We thank you for his willingness to step forward and be a servant in this church. Uh, in the role of a deacon. We also thank you, Father, for his faith and for his witness of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, that uh, as he puts his heart and mind to this work, that the church will be encouraged and blessed, and that he too will receive encouragement from the church. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that Mr. Elias has accepted your call, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that as he's going to serve your church, we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen him and bless him, and may he also find joy and peace in serving you, Lord. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for George. We thank you that you have called him. We thank you that he has answered your call. And he is here to serve. 
I pray, Father, that you would endow him with your power and your strength, that you would guide and direct him, so he'll be able to shine the light of Jesus to all that he comes in contact with. So I pray, Father, that as he takes on these responsibilities, that he will be able to fill them completely. And we will be careful to give you all the praise and glory. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. George, welcome to our deacon's ministry, and may you serve with the grace and the strength that the Lord Jesus Christ provides. This morning's scripture reading is taken from the Gospel of John, the first nine verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Take your Bibles with me and turn to John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30, as we continue to in part two of the message series Uh, entitled, The Seven Claims of Jesus to Be the Great I Am. Starting at verse 12, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I've came, where I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from, where I come from, or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke of these these words while teaching in the temple uh, area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? That is why he says, Where I go, you cannot, or is that why he says, Where I go, you cannot come. But he continued, You are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You, indeed, will die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he... But he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who came into the world. We thank you, Lord, that he is the light of the world. We thank you, Lord, that he proclaimed his light to all around, even to the religious leaders who interrogated him and tried to put him down. And yet, Lord, he spoke with words that changed people's lives. I pray, Father, now that as we listen to the scriptures, that these scriptures would also change our lives. And so we ask for your guidance upon our thoughts and our hearts as we look into your word this morning. For this we pray, amen. This is a second I am statement in the book of John that Jesus makes. I am the light of the world. The first I am statement was, I am the bread of life. And we examined this three weeks ago. And I want to refer to this one more time this morning in this morning's message to demonstrate how Jesus developed the background before he makes his claim. In John chapter 6, Jesus does a spectacular miracle of taking a little boy's lunch of five loaves of bread and two fish to feed 5,000 people. Well, matter of fact, there was more than 5,000 people there that day because in that day they only counted the men but if you would count the women and children there could have been as many as I said before in my first message as many as 15 20,000 people there immediately the people wanted to take Jesus by force and make him king so Jesus withdrew to the mountainside by himself and then crosses the lake over to Capernaum no sooner does he get over there on the other side and the people fall him there as well. And Jesus begins to talk to them about not working for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Jesus then continues to talk about the bread that comes down from heaven, which gives eternal life. The people then say to Jesus, give us this bread. And that is when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus proclaimed his first I am statement, the bread of life, against that backdrop of the feeding of the 5,000. Now we come to today's message. And in today's message, it is entitled, as I said, Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world. And number one, Christ's declaration in verse 12. Now here is the background to the second I am proclamation. In John chapter 7 and John chapter 8, Jesus goes to the Feast of the Tabernacle. Now several different things happen at this annual celebration. One of the events is a celebration of the festivity of God bringing the children out of Egypt. And matter of fact, God wipes out the entire Egyptian army as they try to follow the Israelites across the Red Sea. Then God himself led the children of Israel by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. How big was that pillar of fire? Well, we can only guess. But we must remember that Israel's population at this time was anywhere between one to two million people who were following at this time. So that pillar of fire must have been huge and spectacular so that everyone would be able to see as they followed. Now, at the Feast of the Tabernacle, there were first four huge lamps that were lit, which symbolized the pillar of fire that God led the children of Israel in the desert. These lamps not only lit up the temple area, but also a big part of Jerusalem. And without light, the people could not do a thing. Thus, men of piety and good works would dance along with a Levitical orchestra playing and the choir singing. This was a vast and a significant celebration. Okay, as I said about the backdrop, it is against this backdrop where there was a break when there was a break Jesus rose and spoke again which is why it is so significant Jesus says at this time with the lights burning the torches ablaze he says i am the light of the world 
everyone understood exactly what Jesus was referring to because of the four great lamps that had been lit. These lamps were the focus and were towering over everything, giving light. And Jesus is now declaring that he is the light of the world. What a picture this is. What a parallelism that Jesus is using to indicate who he was. Then Jesus goes a step further by stating, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If the children of Israel didn't follow the pillar of fire at night, they got lost in the desert and left there. The parallel is crystal clear. If you don't follow Christ, you are lost. However, Jesus even goes a step further by stating, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, Jesus says that will, Jesus says that we will have eternal life if we follow him. And what a tremendous promise Jesus is proclaiming to everyone who will choose to follow him. Now, before we finish this one point, we must ask ourselves the question, what does it mean when he says, "When whoever follows me will never walk in darkness? And the answer is just so straightforward. To follow Christ means to be obedient to what Christ tells us to do. If a person is born again, they will submit to the will of God. The more that a person submits, the more light that they will be given to walk in. In this message titled, Jesus, the Light of the World, we can see that Jesus makes an open declaration declaration that he is the light, in the same way that God used pillar a pillar of fire to be the light for the children of Israel when they walked across the desert. Now the religious leaders are not happy with what Jesus is declaring. So this brings us to the second point. And the second point is number two, the Pharisees' challenge found in verses 13 through 18. Now, remember, Jesus has now captured the attention of all the people at the feast. He is center stage. Every All the eyes are turned upon Jesus. The Pharisees were also always standing at the edge of Jesus' circle, watching to see what he would say, what, what he would do, so they could simply criticize him. They knew the law very well, and they tried to use it to condemn others, and if that worked, so why not use it on Jesus? And they began accusing Jesus of self authentication and saying that he was speaking on his own behalf and that what he was saying was not valid. However, since Jesus was God in the flesh, he didn't need a witness. He knew where he came from and the religious leaders had no idea of his eternal existence. They listened to him many times before They still did not understand because their hearts were hardened. The fact is that only God can give testimony of himself, and that is who Jesus was claiming to be. Christ now turns to the Pharisees and tells them that they are judging by human standards. Human standards are very limited. They could not see Christ's deity or know what had happened in eternity past. Jesus did know because he is eternal. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus says, Before Abraham was I am. Once again, a uh, 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 indication that he was God and that he was back then with Abraham and before Abraham. Notice that Jesus tells them that he didn't come to judge. That was right. Jesus came to give his life so that he could redeem mankind. In the same thought, Jesus then said that if he judges, then his his decision is right, because he is not alone in his decision. He is co-equal with the Father. In verse 17, Jesus continues to debate by pointing out that the two men's testimony is valid in their law. 
Jesus is not saying that this is not God's law, but rather the religious leaders recognize this. Jesus did not need another witness because he was God himself. However, since they asked for another witness, Jesus points out in verse 18 that there uh, that the other witness is his father who sent him. Jesus answers that answered the challenge of the Pharisees. However, the religious leaders did not give up. And this leads us to the third point of Jesus, the light of the world, which brings number three, the consequences of rejecting Christ's claim. The consequences of rejecting Christ's claim found in verses 19 through 24. The religious leaders were adamant in pursuing their interrogation by asking him where his father is. Jesus puts it to them bluntly by saying that they do not know him or his father. If they did know him by accepting what he was saying, then they would know his father. One can't love the father without loving the son, and one can't love the son without loving the father. The two are one and mutually inclusive. That's what I said, inclusive, not exclusive, but inclusive. I want you to notice something significant in verse 20. By now, the religious leaders were agitated and ready to get rid of him. And yet the scripture says that yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. This is very important to realize that nothing can happen to us unless God permits it. There are no accidents in God's calendar and all things work together for the divine mission. There were numerous times when Jesus' enemies wanted to put an end to Christ's life, but they could not because God was in control of every event and circumstance. In John chapter 10, verses 10 through 18, it says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up. Again, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. Now, you and I do not have authority like Jesus, but we are on God's calendar and nothing can happen to us unless the Lord allows it. That does not mean we neglect planning praying, standing against wrong things, and throwing caution to the wind. However, it does mean that when we have made mistakes or poor decisions, we shift gears and make changes. God is always in control, but we are always responsible for doing our part and listening to what the Spirit says to us. Now, according to verse 21, once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you can not come. And in verse 24, he makes one of the most crucial, essential, and paramount doctrinal statements in the whole Bible. And it is this, I told you, you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. One can be wrong about many things in the Bible, such as how many wings the angels have, the time of the year that Christ was born, or any other information such as that. However, if one is wrong about Christ's identity, a person can forfeit their salvation. Without believing that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, there is no redemption because one denies who Christ is and his offer of eternal life. In the first chapter of John, John the Baptist said of Jesus, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Son of God who would become the sacrificial lamb and die in our place. If the Jews did not believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, they would be rejecting Christ's substitutionary sacrifice. 
Thus far in this passage, the Jews rejected Jesus' claim to be the Son of God and Him being God in the flesh. The consequences is this, that they would die in their sins. One of the reasons why Jesus performed the numerous miracles was because these signs validated his deity. They proved who he was. Second, Jesus verbally claimed to be God in the flesh from his own mouth. And then third, Jesus spoke with all authority as he preached from an infinite supply of knowledge. So what is the Lord saying to you and me this morning when we say when he says I am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life our first responsibility is to believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be and that he is God in the flesh our second responsibility is to reflect Jesus in our obedience and our love towards him. Then people will see the light of the world and be drawn to Jesus. I trust that you will make this your prayer, your goal in life, and that everything will focus on having Christ the center of your life as he will live and control your life. For our closing song, let's sing together. Lead on, O King Eternal. As we close, I'd ask that you would bow your hearts in prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we pause before you to give you thanks one more time. We thank you for sending your Son into the world to come and to be our light. We thank you, Jesus, that you came. And because you came, you gave your life sacrificially. We ask, Lord, now that as we go into a new week, that because you are the light of the world, that you will guide each one of us. And I pray, Father, that we would reflect the light to others so that they too can know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now I pray for each person who is listening. Have your hand upon them. May your grace accompany them in all they do and say. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to close with a benediction found by the, found in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 
through 21, written by the Apostle Paul. He says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us and today. And may this day be a godly day as you go about it.